we never stop learning. You know, I think I would say we failed as educators if someone graduates and be like, okay, I'm educated. And now they cease to be inquiring. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the Past Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, super excited because we get to have amazing conversations with individuals doing um, creative and innovative things in the world of education. And today is no different. Uh, We are speaking with Matt Schleen. Did I say that correctly, Matt? Schleen. Schlein, thank you very much. With Matt Schlein, um, who is the founder and director of both the Walden Pond Project and the Willowell Foundation. Um, and he's been at that for 22 years. And you may recall that we spoke with folks from the Willowell Foundation a few episodes back when we were talking about the wren's nest. And during that conversation, I realized there was so much more to this story. And I wanted to have a conversation with Matt to find out um, some of the back pieces and to sort of figure out where they were going. So Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you. Great honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's not every day that I get to talk with a fellow founder. And as you know, um, those are unique perspectives on the journeys that we all take when we actually are crazy enough to start something like I did with PAST and and you did uh, with the Willowell Foundation. So let's sort of set the context. Our listeners come to us from all over the world. So help us understand your from your point of view, what exactly is the Willowell Foundation and why 22 years ago did you decide you needed to do this? thing because you came from a background doing other things. Um, You were an actor, a writer, a storyteller. So why this? Yeah. So I I was originally, as noted, an actor, writer, and storyteller. And um, I'd actually had a kind of a turbulent adolescent period. And um, as I was uh, on the cusp of fatherhood and had to get a real job uh, beyond the acting, I thought I would... um, help out adolescents because that pain was something that made sense to me. And I started out getting my MSW working in the juvenile justice system in Michigan. And it was a very enlightening experience about how not to serve youth. Um, At the time, it was uh, the 80s, the uh, erosion of the automobile industry was going on. And the, the kids that were coming there, really the only difference for them, that yes, I don't want to uh, they they were getting into trouble, but a lot of this was a function of the system breaking down. And, and I think they were acting out from a place of an absence of hope. And I really saw that the ways with which the juvenile justice system was not creating opportunities where kids could re-envision their lives and create better selves. And I'd always, uh, you know, as sort of an actor and writer, I always loved language. So um, I enrolled in a, a wonderful grad program finishing up my MSW, but um, also getting my master's in education. And um, I had just amazing professors there. And one of them was really good friends with uh, uh, Paolo Freire. And uh, I, so I got to spend two weeks of my graduate school education with him. And he sort of radicalized my thinking about the possibilities of, of public schools um, versus the realities and sort of that, that idea of um, 
extracting and, you know, like the teachers deposit the knowledge into the, the students' heads and then the, the, the teachers extract to come test time and how that really is in concomitant with the kind of development and growth that we want. It was sort of replicating in many ways some of the hierarchies and power structures that I was seeing in the juvenile justice system. So um, I, I went into teaching. I sort of made a deal with myself. I would watch one group go from grade seven through grade 12 and then see could I make my piece you know, in the four walls of the, the public school classroom. And um, I totally enjoyed those six years as a teacher in, in mainstream. I taught English, drama, and psychology. Had some great, great moments, but I found that those great moments were artificially punctuated by all kinds of nonsense, including, you know, a bell going off in the middle of the system. And more like we were like Pavlov's dogs than like really trying to get into the complexity and challenges of um you know, what it means to be human. And I mean, ultimately education, it is about awakening our, 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 ourselves to ourselves and giving students the tools to engage the world from a place of empowerment and a place of compassion. And I could see the ways that the system was standing in the way of that. And so, you know, I, I, I did something that, you know, probably knowing what I know now, would I have attempted it then? <laughs> I don't know. There were many years where it was like, was sort of like just, you know, lots of scars to, to mm-hmm. share along the way, but um, proposed the seed of the idea for the Walden Project to the then principal um, who made this deal with me. He said, look, I got two kids. They're big pains in the keister, and uh, they're costing us over $100,000 on out-of-district placement services. So we'll take your kind of crazy idea, and we'll let you pilot something as long as you take those two kids on. So, you know, from the very beginning, there was this sort of interesting, this idealism of what could be, and then the practical reality of dealing with the kids who were, you know, not thriving and succeeding in the system. And because I'd been teaching for six years, I had enough credibility that I talked another 15 kids into joining and I'd either taught them in other classes or I taught their siblings. And we just sort of launched out into the woods uh, with copies of Thoreau and journals and um, you know, in in the spirit of um, acting and improvisation, but also really wanting student voice to shape what it was that we were doing, we were really only like minutes ahead um, of what was going on. It was like day to day, each day we were figuring out what do we want to do, what's important, what's essential, how do we engage learning. And then while I was, uh, you know, beginning the Walden Project, I'm also very moved by the writing of E.O. Wilson, um, his notions of, of um, breaking down like the silos of knowledge. Um, he talked about the ontology of reductionism, where we understand things by continually breaking them down into smaller parts. But, and it's got its place. But the big problem with that is we tend to miss the big picture. And I, what I've observed in my years in public ed is that oftentimes making sure that the kid gets this requirement or that requirement or the other requirement done who they are gets lost in the equation and the requirements almost live above the student. So we were very intentional about wanting to reverse that paradigm. But the other, the, another sort of respectful critique I would have about public education is that, you know, public education is oftentimes isolated from, you know, it's sort of, are you doing education? Are you doing public health? Are you doing nutrition? Are you working with the environment? Are you working with the arts? Well, I'm interested in all of that stuff. And a good education is going to combine all of those things. So um, I started the Willowell Foundation in concert with the Walden Project because I felt like there was this potential. And I didn't want what we 
did to be just valuable for the you know 20 students or so that we work with in the woods, but being able to make connections with the broader community. So um, Willowell sort of really allowed us to sort of amplify and expand the, the core of what it is that we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, so much of what you're talking about resonates because like, you know, very similar paths and journeys um, that I think that you and I have, have, you know, sort of taken on, you know, over the years. My background um, as a research scientist, as an anthropologist and an archaeologist, and it felt a lot of those same sorts of frustrations and certainly, you know, sort of stepping into this space and saying, what if we were to think about or imagine what teaching and learning might look like, you know, and to really, quite frankly, make it more real world, make it more applicable to to students and then ultimately figure out, well, how do I take this small pilot, to your point, right? And then how do we actually make it, or the, at least what we've learned as, as educators, um, both as teachers and as learners, more accessible to influence in sort of a, a, a broader space? Uh, you know, that's another piece of the conversation, but ultimately scale becomes one of those things that's super difficult. I do want to dig in a little bit um, for our listeners about sort of the the nuts and bolts of sort of the Walden project, sort of where it is today. So flash forward, we're we're 22, almost 23 years in now in your work. And quite frankly, the, the, the work of the Willowell Foundation has in fact expanded. You know, there was a reason we had a conversation about the Rim's Nest, which was one of the most amazing stories. I mean, I, I was just so desperate to say, can I come? I want to spend <laughs> two weeks with you guys playing outside and in the woods and all the amazing adventures. And then just sort of really imagine what happens, flash forward, you know, to those kids become 10th, 11th, and 12th graders, and now they find themselves, you know, as part of the Walden Project. And just imagine that K-12 journey, right? And that just gets me so super, super excited. And I do feel the synergies with some of the works that we're doing. So help our listeners understand what, what does Walden Project look like today? How does it function? Okay, so... Um so we have multiple projects that live under the the Willowell umbrella, right. and you know we were the the goal from the very beginning was to try to create a pre K through twelve experience where um, students are immersed in nature, you know, and the realities of global climate change right now are suggesting that we need to rethink how it is that we relate to nature. And for a lot of young people, nature can be an abstraction. I mean, the truth is, for adults, it can be an abstraction too. You can go from your heated garage and pull into the parking lot at work and, you know, go work in the building and then come home and, you know, you're, do, you're doing your best, but your feet may never actually touch the earth that, that feeds you. And I, I, you know, I think, you know, with younger people in particular, recognizing the importance of global climate change, that it gets solved when we understand the reciprocal relationship between ourselves and the natural world. And so nature is not an abstraction, but in many ways we say that nature is the master teacher in everything that we're doing. So, you know, I, I can talk about like the scope and sequence of the curriculum and all these interesting, sexy texts that we read and, and why that matters. But, you know, the, really, I think the greatest lessons that are taught are showing up and being in dialogue with nature. Um, but for, just going back to your, your question, from a practical point of view, um, what the Walden Project looks like right now, you know, it's tied into the public schools here in Vermont. So it's, you know, free, accessible to working class families here there's no extra charge it, you know bus drops some kids off of the building and some it drops off on the edge of a field and they walk down a half mile into the woods in a cedar grove in in Moncton Vermont where we've got a fire circle and 
the majority of our classes happen around the fire. Um, it mirrors Thoreau's time out in the woods. We say that Thoreau asked three essential questions when he was at Walden Pond. What is my relationship with myself? What is my relationship with the natural world? And what is my relationship with society? So those three core questions are sort of the foundation um, of what, what we do. And, you know, with contrary adolescents, they love asking challenging questions. There's a lot of depth to that. So we like I said, there's there's a scope and sequence of curriculum that we go through, but it's it's always to to with an eye towards developing those key relationships. Right. And so, just because I know our listeners are there, they're like, "Oh my gosh, this sounds amazing!" But I really need to understand sort of some of these key sort of foundational components to it. So, just for clarity, so it's a it's affiliated with a public school. It's still a public school educational opportunity. These Correct. students are they enrolled specifically in in a school that's been created just for the Walden Project and Willowell, or they're still enrolled in their public school? I, folks are just wrestling with you know how do they meet all of the criteria? How do they deal with the state testing? How do they deal with graduating? And you know sure. I think that there's magic in the way you've crafted it. So I do want to explore that a little bit for for folks recognizing, hey, those are nuts and bolts, and maybe it's not the fun, sexy part of what's going on, but it is one of the things that people think about as they try to figure out how might we also do something similar. Yeah. So so we are a proud affiliate of the Virginia's Union High School. So um, you know a student in tenth grade might get a course of studies, and they you know they they would select. The Walden Project, and then within the Walden Project, we've we've set it up sort of all of the row, where sort of half the curriculum is really focused on writing, environmental studies, and the social sciences, you know, and then the other half of the curriculum, it's almost like those choose your own adventures. So we offer core elective classes that students can take, like philosophy, psychology, and world religion, modern and contemporary literature, you know, other courses that they might need for graduation requirements. But we also encourage students if they've got some big crazy idea to say, okay, well let's let's talk about this big crazy idea and let, let's see how this aligns with graduation requirements. How does how how can this experience get you to where you want to be when you're on the other side of your high school experience? So we've had all kinds of interesting things transpire with one student. Um, so students can choose to be part of the Walden Project for up to three years. Most will do it for one to two years. Um, we had one student who was Native American ancestry, and during the course of their study, they really came to identify with um, the Cree Nation. And so she, as part of her senior year, contacted the tribe that her family was from and spent a month in Ujibugamu on the St. James Bay being welcomed back into a tribe. She built you know, her own snowshoes, um, which she uh, skinned a Beaver. I mean, there was like this, you know, beautiful ceremony that welcomed her back. Obviously, that's like an extreme example of individualizing, but you know, it was super easy, you know, to sort of tie in writing and tie in um, social studies with that particular piece, and as well as environmental studies. So, you know, there are the things that she was doing, but we were saying, okay, let's make this explicit so this can line up with with, with the different requirements. So. Students that graduate from Walden, you know, they graduate with a public high school diploma, having fulfilled the same requirements and expectations that are placed on their counterparts in the more traditional schooling. They're just given more latitude in terms of how it is that they express their learning. So, you know, to that point, we don't have tests, but we do portfolios. And I think that's a tried and true 
method of, of assessing student work. You know, so it might be a student, I'm just thinking of this last year, who was really interested in songwriting and needed to meet a requirement around um, biology. So she wrote a, a whole album of songs about the plant communities in the, in the Champlain Valley. Um, you know, so we, we want the students to have like fun and joy in the learning process. I, you know, I think so many students and, and sadly teachers too, it's like this vow of frowns. It's like, must get there. And then when we get there, you'll be ready to live the rest of your life. And, you know, the, that great John Dewey quote, you know, education is not preparation for life. Education is life. So it's not about delayed joy. It's about finding delight and joy in the learning process, because the truth of the matter is we never stop learning. You know, I think I would say we failed as educators if someone graduates and be like, OK, I'm educated. And now they cease to be inquiring. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. But I also would would sort of push a little bit because I, I think it's really, really important that the folks that are listening, you know, sort of hear the acknowledgement that, you know, what you're talking about, that joy of learning and being part of that process, unfortunately, is not what we see all the time in the K-12 educational system. You know, oftentimes it's a thing to get through. It is not a joy to be part of. Right. It feels like endurance sport, I think, for you some know, kids. And that is one of the saddest things in my mind, right? And also one of the reasons why we started past, you know, so long ago is because if we can just make learning, you know, link that back to life, we always say linking learning to life, that, that it is joyful. And we do want folks to be these inquisitive, curiosity-driven, lifelong learners who are constantly thinking about their world, their place in the world. What can I do about it? How can I make it better? you know, all of those pieces. And yet we still spend an awful lot of time, you know, getting ready to teach the state tests so that we can move from, from, from point A to point B without even contemplating the content in between. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. So I'm super curious with that in mind then, because the Walden Project plus the other things that the Willowell Foundation is doing are so integrated with the local public school. What, if any, influence, I guess maybe that's the, the word we want to use for today, um, has, has the Willowell Foundation had back on the way the folks in your local school district are delivering the rest of the content? So for all those kids who don't choose the Walden Project, what's their experience like? And I don't mean to ask that question to put you on the spot as it relates to your colleagues in the school district, but really to sort of think about what or how has has your work had a positive influence on sort of changing the trajectory for all the students um, within the community? What does that look like? Well, it's a, it's a great question. And I wish I could say that we've magically transformed the public schools and everyone swallowed the Kool-Aid and we're just singing Kumbaya and it's wonderful at all times. But, you know, that's not the reality of it. I think that's not I think our reality have... either, out of fairness, right? I didn't ask that okay. question as an aha because it's the same thing, right? We're doing these amazing things and, we, and we've got pockets of it and you can push back into other, other school districts or e even our local district. But the reality is, you know, it's an uphill slog as it relates to changing the way we think about what school is and what school needs to be in the 21st century for our, our current you know, learners. And yet we're still doing so much based on what was and not what yeah, could be. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, I think there's much to be said for just being an example, you know, and, and being a model. And, you know, I, Vermont schools, I think, I think 
I big believer in the teachers, you know, in public schools in Vermont. And I, I, you know, I think, so there's, there is another Walden project that's um, in in New York state. That's our our sister program that follows our curriculum and having conversations with folks in Connecticut. So there are other pods that are percolating and emerging. Um, So there's that piece, but I think it's also just being a model and being an example. And there are certainly many teachers come and visit us and they might take an element of what we do. So they might be the Socratic dialogue and maybe it isn't happening around a fire, but it's still like borrowing that piece or the value of solo time or, uh, you know, sort of the writer circle. So I, I, you know, I think for me, I was very clear from the beginning that what we were doing, this is not the single fix this, you know, if everyone did Walden, public schools would suddenly be right. I, I think really the solution in many ways is more organic and it's, it's finding where are the pockets of innovation and how can we sort of support and create solidarity among those? Because I have seen the, um, it, it's slow because you're talking about changing an institutional structure. So that's going to take a long time. But I remember, you know, beginning the project, people are like, wait, you're taking kids out into the woods? Wait, the classroom how is that going to work how are you know how are you going to measure assessment how are you going to you know and suddenly having a body of work you know now people come to us and they take elements of what we do and they apply it so i think it's creating as many different pathways that are relevant to the context you know and thoreau makes a lot of sense in northern new england it's sort of where he's from but you know should there be a northern should there be a walden project in like arizona or california i don't think so maybe maybe a john muir project right exactly right you know put it into the context that makes sense yeah exactly exactly and and i think that that's really what we're we're tasked to do as as educators that care it's like to give students context so that they see why the conversations matter they see the relevance and again to bring it back to like sort of why nature i mean i think i think mother nature is the ultimate context and i think our neglect of that context is coming back to haunt us and i'm an optimist by design and i think the change can happen but i think it will happen when we see a dialogic relationship between ourselves and the natural world and not simply one where we're extracting yeah yeah. I think one of the other things that's really interesting about your work and the way you sort of crafted the journey is I love the piece where so much of what you're talking about is based on the notion of honoring student agency. And there's a lot of conversation in the space right now, post-pandemic, right? We should have been having that same sort of conversation a decade ago, and yet we needed this great big thing to come and sort of smack us around a little bit to recognize that that's one of those spaces where we we spend an awful lot of time letting kids slip sort of through through our fingers so to speak in part because we were regulating so much stuff that we forgot that kids need agency to be able to grow into fully formed humans right to be great citizens to think about the environment you know to, to be able to do all of those things. And, and I know that lots of folks struggle with how to have enough faith and grace to believe in kids' ability to, to really go out and think and plan and craft and create for themselves. And yet there's an awful lot of student agency built into the fabric and the foundation of everything that you were talking about, which I suspect is part of what it makes the Walden Project so successful over the years. 
Yeah, how, I, I, I like how do you so. help folks overcome <laughs> this fear of that? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think there's got to be a commitment to the process. You know, I, I think Hollywood does this funny disservice to education. Like they think that like one inspiring speech or one inspiring class, and then suddenly all the disaffected learners are going to be like, I love school. Yeah, Yay. No. You know, it, it's, <laughs> you, you, you show up every day, you show up every hour, you show up every minute. So someone's got a big idea and they want the student agency. The best way to say that you're taking that student voice seriously is to say like, okay, where are you with the project? How can I help you? How can I support it? It's not like, okay, here's your good idea. Now go off and pursue it. And I, I would, you know, to be completely transparent in the early years, I think we learned the errors of that way by just being like, okay, you've got freedom and you're going to be so psyched that you have freedom that you're going to know what to use it, how to use it and use it well, and you'll produce great work. I, I think the supposition behind that, that if you give students agency and space, they can create great things. But I do think that there's a scaffolding that we need to put in place. And I, and I think particularly when students are coming from a highly regulated environment where every minute of the day is prescripted, every assignment that they're going to produce is prescripted to suddenly say like, okay, we're throwing out that script. What do you want? Who are you? It, it actually, that's actually a really, really difficult question to ask. And I would, I, I, you know, the first month or two is actually really diving into this idea of agency and how do you express your learning? Because I, I think that that's a large piece of the education that we're providing is the context and the support to do it. Yeah, and I would agree with you 100%. And definitely the same thing that I've seen over the years and certainly conversations that my team has when they go out and, and with schools. And it is a scary thing because, you know, we will have teachers, especially new teachers who are running down this sort of very road that we're talking about that will say, well, you know, I need to go and, you know, sort of help give them direction to get them started. And oftentimes that direction is too much direction, right? And sort of figuring out that balance um, sort of space. But, you know, a, a big old giant white piece of paper with nothing nothing on it is scary to adults. How can it not be scary to kids, right? And I do think that we have to step back and recognize that we can facilitate an awful lot of stuff um, and still provide the freedom that's necessary for those big ideas to become wicked problems that the students, you know, can solve and, and run down a, a variety of different roads to get there. And it, that's, it's super exciting and it's fun to watch. I always like to um, close the conversation, Matt, with recognizing that you know people are out there in the world and they've been listening to you and I have this conversation and they're like, well, that's really, really awesome for what Matt's doing in Vermont, but you know, I'm sitting out here in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota, um, or you know, I'm in, in in South America. How do I take some of the ideas that Matt's talking about and get started? Right? I want to change my practice, but I might not have an institution behind me or a nonprofit that's going to stand with. Me, but I can do some of these things in my own individual practice. So how would you suggest somebody who finds themselves in that space kind of get started with thinking about the, the, the same sort of journey or the elements of the journey um, that you've crafted over the last 22 years with the Walden Project and the Willowell Foundation? Yeah, great, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say like, you know, the, you know, broadly speaking, what we do with fall under the, the larger context of place-based education. And a lot of what drives place-based education is finding what is universal in the particular. And to see that like every community, you know, there, there, are, there are artists, there are activists, you know, and, 
And sometimes it's just being able to have a conversation, you know, with the mechanic in the garage up the street who's followed his passion and he loves cars. And, you know, you, you find that people who have passion and give identity to the community and you hold them up. I mean, public education is wonderful. That being said, I think we do a disservice to young people when the only adults that they really have contact with, maybe outside of their family, are teachers. And we're a very, very small subset of the larger adult context. So um, we give opportunities when we present opportunities for students to see a larger part of the world than just the classroom. So, um, and people are, want to talk about their work. People want to make the connections with young people. And I think that you can create an avenue, um, you know, like I said, who are the elders in the community? Where are the special places? You know, what, what are, what are the, what are the storylines? Again, this sort of falls broadly, I think, into sort of an ethnography of the community, but it, you know, every community has its song lines. And I think it's just a question of, you know, putting in the time to, to find that. And while it may take a little time to sort of root around and have those conversations, I think once you develop a network of people, um, they're more than happy. I, I, my experience is that human nature is good and that people actually do really care about community. And if you give folks a context to want to be part of the community, they will, they'll take you up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I find the same thing, right? Um, all all the time. The minute you sort of step out and you become embracing and you welcome folks in as well, uh, you will find that they will also invite you back out, um, and that yeah. is a magical, magical thing. So I appreciate that. So one last quick question, then. So as you sort of think about the last twenty two years, what's next? What's what's the next sort of iteration of the way that you're thinking about the work? Um, at this point in your journey? Great, great question. I, at this point, I'm just trying to deepen what we're already doing. Like I really, you know, I, I wake up, I, maybe on the days when it's like 10 below zero, I don't have a total smile <laughs> on my face. But, but most, most of the time I'm smiling when, when I, I show up. And I, you know, I've seen enough transformation in kids' lives that I really believe in what it is that we're doing. And I also have realize that it's the students that are the catalysts for that transformation, that really what we're doing is holding space so that they can deepen their relationship with themselves. So I, I'm, I'm interested in deepening the work to create as many opportunities as possible for as many kids to be able to have an authentic relationship with their education. You know, looking, you know, at this point, we've got a, a, a really successful preschool program. We've got a really successful high school program. And we're on year three of working on an elementary and middle school project. So would be, you know, ideal. the vision from the beginning was how do we create a pre-K through 12 model of place-based education. So, you know, further articulating that and, um, you know, hopefully being a resource for other people who are inspired by what we do. So creating a sense of solidarity and connection with other, other educators out there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much, Matt, for taking time out of your day to sort of share what's going on um, with us for the next piece of, of our own learning about the Willow Well Foundation. And certainly it was fun to, to sort of hear about the Walden Project. So appreciate that very much. Well, th- thank you. Really, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Yep, excellent. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. 
Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.